The French Revolution, A History, by Thomas Carlyle, Volume 2, The Constitution, Book 4, Varenne, Chapter 5, The New Berlin. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain, read by Peter Dan. Book 4, Chapter 5, The New Berlin. But scouts all this while, and aide-de-camp, have flown forth faster than the leathern diligences. Young Romeuf, as we said, was off early towards Valenciennes. Distracted villagers seize him as a traitor with a finger of his own in the plot, drag him back to the town hall, to the National Assembly, which speedily grants a new passport. Nay, now, that same scarecrow of an herb merchant with his ass has bethought him of the grand new Berlin seen in the wood of Bondy, and delivered evidence of it. Romeuf, furnished with a new passport, is sent forth with double speed on a hopefuller track by Bondy, Clay and Chalon towards Metz to track the new Berlin and gallops à Franck Etrier. Miserable new Berlin! Why could not royalty go in some old Berlin similar to that of other men? Flying for life, one does not stickle about his vehicle. Monsieur, in a commonplace travelling carriage, is off northwards, Madame, his princess, in another, with variation of route. They cross one another while changing horses, without look of recognition, and reach Flanders, no man questioning them. Precisely in the same manner, beautiful Princess de Lamballe sets off about the same hour, and will reach England safe, which she had continued there. The beautiful, the good, but the unfortunate, reserved for a frightful end. All runs along, unmolested, speedy, except only the new Berlin. Huge leathern vehicle, huge argosy, let us say, or Acapulco ship, with its heavy stern boat of chaise and pair, with its three yellow pilot boats of mounted bodyguard couriers, rocking aimlessly around it and ahead of it to bewilder, not to guide it, it lumbers along lurchingly with stress at a snail's pace, noted of all the world. The bodyguard couriers in their yellow liveries go prancing and clattering, loyal but stupid, unacquainted with all things. Stoppages occur and breakages to be repaired at Etoge. King Louis too will dismount, will walk up hills and enjoy the blessed sunshine. With eleven horses and double drink money and all furtherances of nature and art, it will be found that royalty, flying for life, accomplishes sixty-nine miles in twenty-two incessant hours. Slow royalty. And yet not a minute of these hours but is precious. On minutes hang the destinies of royalty now. Readers, therefore, can judge in what humour Duc de Choiseul might stand waiting in the village of Pont-de-Sommerville, some leagues beyond Chalon, hour after hour, now when the day bends visibly westward. Choiseul drove out of Paris in all privity, ten hours before their majesty's fixed time. His hussars, led by engineer Gogula, are here duly come to escort a treasure that is expected." but hour after hour is no Baroness de Corps Berlin. Indeed, over all that northeast region on the skirts of Champagne and of Lorraine, where the great road runs, the agitation is considerable. For all along, from this pont de Sommervelle northeastward as far as Montmédy, at post villages and towns, escorts of hussars and dragoons do lounge waiting, a train or chain of military escorts. At the Montmédy end of it, our brave Bouillet, 
an electric thunder chain which the invisible Bouillet, like a father Jove, holds in his hand for wise purposes. Brave Bouillet has done what man could, has spread out his electric thunder chain of military escorts onwards to the threshold of Chalon. It waits but for the new Kof Berlin to receive it, escort it, and if need be, bear it off in whirlwind of military fire. They lie and lounge there, we say, these fierce troopers, from Montmédy and Stenay through Clermont, Saint-Tremenahou to utmost Pont de Saint-Mauvel, in all post villages, for the route shall avoid Verdun and great towns, they loiter impatient till the treasure arrive. Judge what a day this is for brave Bouillet, perhaps the first day of a new glorious life, surely the last day of the old. Also, and indeed still more, what a day, beautiful and terrible, for your young, full-blooded captains, your Dandouin, Comte de Damas, Duc de Choiseuil, Engineer Gogolin, and the like, entrusted with the secret. Alas, the day bends ever more westward, and no Corf Berlin comes to sight. It is four hours beyond the time, and still no Berlin. In all village streets, royalist captains go lounging, looking often Parisward, with face of unconcern, with heart full of black care. Rigorous quartermasters can hardly keep the private dragoons from cafes and dram shops. Dawn on our bewilderment, thou new Berlin, dawn on us, thou sun-chariot of a new Berlin, with the destinies of France. It was of His Majesty's ordering this military array of escorts, a thing solacing the royal imagination with a look of security and rescue, yet, in reality, creating only alarm, and where there was otherwise no danger, danger without end. For each patriot in these post-villages asks, naturally, this clatter of cavalry and marching and lounging of troops, what means it? To escort a treasure... Why escort when no patriot will steal from the nation? Or where is your treasure? There has been such marching and countermarching, for it is another fatality that certain of these military escorts came out so early as yesterday, the 19th, not the 20th of the month, being the day first appointed, which Her Majesty, for some necessity or other, saw good to alter. And now consider the suspicious nature of patriotism, suspicious above all of Bouillet, the aristocrat, and how the sour, doubting humour has had leave to accumulate and exacerbate for four and twenty hours. At Pont de Somerville, these forty foreign hussars of Gogola and Duc Chazé are becoming an unspeakable mystery to all men. They lounged long enough, already at Saint-Menahou, lounged and loitered till our national volunteers there, all risen into hot wrath of doubt, demanded three hundred fusils of their town hall, and got them. At which same moment, too, as it chanced, our Captain Dandouin was just coming in from Clermont with his troops at the other end of the village. A fresh troop alarming enough, though happily they are only dragoons and French so that Gogolin and his hussars had to ride, and even to do it fast, till here at Pont de Saint-Mauvel, where Choiseul lay waiting, he found resting-place. Resting-place as on burning mal, for the rumour of him flies abroad, and men run to and fro in fright and anger. Chalon sends forth exploratory pickets coming from Saint-Menahou on that, 
What is it, ye whiskered hussars, men of foreign guttural speech? In the name of heaven, what is it that brings you? A treasure? Exploratory pickets shake their heads. The hungry peasants, however, know too well what treasure it is. Military seizure for rents, feudalities which no bailiff could make us pay. Thus they know, and set to jingling their parish bell by way of toxin with rapid effect. Choisay and Gogolar, if the whole country is not to take fire, must needs be there Berlin, be there no Berlin, saddle and ride. They mount, and this parish toxin happily ceases. They ride slowly eastward towards St. Menahou, still hoping the sun chariot of a Berlin may overtake them. Ah, me, no Berlin! And near now is that St. Menahou which expelled us in the morning with its three hundred national fusils, which look belike not too lovingly on Captain Dandouin and his fresh dragoons, though only French, which in a word one dare not enter the second time under pain of explosion. With rather heavy heart our hussar party strikes off to the left, through byways, through pathless hills and woods, they, avoiding St. Menahou and all places which they have seen themselves heretofore, will make direct for the distant village of Varennes. It is probable they will have a rough evening ride. This first military post, therefore, in the long thunder chain, has gone off with no effect, or with worse, and your chain threatens to entangle itself. The great road, however, is got hushed again into a kind of quietude, though one of the wakefulest. Indolent dragoons cannot by any quartermaster be kept together from the dram-shop, where patriots drink and will even treat, eager enough for news. Captains in a state near distraction beat the dusky highway with a face of indifference, and no sun-chariot appears. Why lingers it? Incredible that with eleven horses and many yellow couriers and furtherances, its rate should be under the weightiest dray rate, some three miles an hour. Alas, one knows not whether it has even got out of Paris, and yet also one knows not whether, this very moment, it is not at the village end. One's heart flutters on the verge of unutterabilities. End of Book 4, Chapter 5